This is episode 22 of the Home and Family Culture Podcast. I'm Jody Chafee, and in this episode, I interviewed Pat Hade, virtual safety expert. Welcome to the Home and Family Culture Podcast, where I discuss how families can discover and design their collective vision, values, beliefs, and traditions that influence their family culture. The purpose of my podcast is to interview experts who can offer tips and tools to aid families in the process of developing their family culture, and also successful individuals whose success was influenced by their family culture. For more information or to subscribe, go to homeandfamilyculture.com or you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Family Culture Podcast and on Twitter at underscore Family Culture. You can tune in on my site or on the variety of podcast broadcasting apps like iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and even on YouTube. Just search Home and Family Culture with the ampersand between Home and Family Culture. Please remember to like, comment, share, and rate on whatever medium you choose. I would love to hear from you. Pat Hayde's business works with youth, sports, and educational organizations to form their presence in the digital world. So her team sees hundreds of thousands of posts, tweets, searches, and images from students every month. In addition to writing and presenting about using and abusing social media and the internet, she collaborates with virtual safety monitoring entities to develop educational content for parents and students. Her book, Social Media for the High School Athlete, has become a staple in the youth sports community and both teaching social media and a new educational series on social media are slated for publication in the spring of 2016. Hayde's work has been featured in numerous publications, media, and blogs, including USA Today. So welcome, Pat. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So has that series on social media that was supposed to come out in 2016, has that been published? That has been published. We've got a digital literacy course for homeschooling published, Mm -hmm. um, along with several specialized courses. So We're doing our best to get the word out there. Yeah. So how did you fall into this line of work? Um, I taught for 20 years while my kids were growing up, and I taught AP uh, Language and Literature. Mm -hmm. And a course we called Revolving Door because I'd get the kids who were coming out of juvie Uh going back into juvie. Uh, But simultaneously, our family business was software hardware solutions, specialized solutions. Okay. And I always got stuck with the marketing because for some reason, that was what I got stuck with, which I hated. Uh Because you could spend $25,000 on a trade publication ad and you never knew what happened to it. Right. No feedback. (laughs) So when we started our marketing company, social media was just starting. Um, Mm -hmm. We happened, one of the founders of Facebook happened to go to school with one of my sons. So we kind of got involved in that. And I realized that social media was not only for businesses going to be a way to measure your impact, but 
content marketing started, which meant you didn't just put out ads, you put out information, which I loved. Mm-hmm. And then because we were on social media all the time doing that, everybody in my office got so tired of me saying, oh my God, this kid is in such trouble. Why would they do that? <laughs> yeah, and finally, they said, okay, could you do something about it and shut up? <laughs> so that's what we did. And we have a large educational outreach that is free to the kids that we do continually. Okay. And that's how I'm here. And so that out- outreach is, is to educate kids on social media usage. How did you focus on, in on the, the high school athlete? We started with the high school athlete because they knew they had to learn. When a high school athlete is going to be recruited or mm-hmm. they want to play a sport in college, the college coaches, every program I know, go to their social media mm-hmm. to get them. And they'll do that before the kid ever knows they're interested. So we had a group of kids who didn't have to be convinced that you're going to be vetted throughout your life on your social media. They already knew that. Yeah. And that was a base for us to start with. Interesting. Yeah, because I on the talk that you gave through the Home Education Council of America, you talked about how people lose jobs or they don't get admitted to colleges or they don't get college um, callbacks to for a college or, and, and jobs because of their social media profiles. So that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And social media profiles are used by over... of college admissions offices. And they're looking for, will you fit in our culture? Mm. Now, some colleges have gone beyond that. They have very complex algorithms to look at your social. Not only will you fit in our culture, but will you stay here? What is the percentage of, what is the probability that you will stay at our school? Interesting. Every HR department is going to look at your social media. Landlords are going to look at your social media. And we, tons of people who have, landlords have said, no, sorry, you party too much. Don't want that in my building. Right. Um, You know, or you can't hide a pet if you have them out on your social media. see pictures of it. Wow. We don't realize how much we put out there on our social media. We don't. And the one I want to make the kids aware of, especially, is that banks look at your social media. Interesting. So when you go for your first car loan or your first mortgage, they're going to go back through your social media and they actually have algorithms where your trustworthiness is going to be decided. So it's a big deal. It's not just tweeting out, hi, I'm in a bad mood this morning. (laughs) Right. It's all of your, you have your whole history of your employment history, your interests, your living, everything. People, we're almost not even, uh, we don't even censor sometimes what people put out there. I see people who post status and updates all day long and... I'm sure that that's that's a really big part, a big deal. Well, 
the other problem is that in 90% of the cases, we can track somebody's movement by their social media. So everybody who's listening, turn automatic location tagging off right now. Yeah. Stop listening to us. Take a second and turn it off. because Just pause the episode. (laughs) Turn off geolocation. If we can track you, so can anybody else in the world. And that may not be a very good thing. So that brings me to, you talked about four basic rules of social media or internet activity. Can you tell us about those, those rules? Oh, well, the first one is that social multiplies. Mm. And I want to give you an example. We retweeted about six months ago a tweet that a parent put out about their kid. They were very proud of an accomplishment. That parent had 678 followers. The account we retweeted it from had 113,000 followers. Wow. So now it's not 628 people that you kind of know who see this. Mm-hmm. It is 113,000 people from around the world. The reason that's important is that there are some things that you don't care if billions of people see. Right. There are other things, especially with kids under 14, that you want to be very careful of because once it's out in social, you have absolutely no control over it. Mm. And that brings us to the next thing. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as delete in social media. When you push that delete button, it really doesn't go away. Number one, I can take a screenshot faster than anybody can delete anything. Mm -hmm. And guys, this goes for Snapchat also. Snaps Mm -hmm. do not go away. I know they disappear from your phone. That doesn't mean they're gone. Beyond that, Private accounts are very misleading because people think that private accounts, nothing is ever going to get out from them. Well, there are 12 kids who got their acceptances to Harvard rescinded last spring because they had posted things in, quote, private accounts. Right. That somebody took a screenshot of and sent to Harvard and said, whoa, why are these people getting it? And Harvard said, you're right. <laughs> you know? Wow. Okay, sorry, guys, not happening. So Is that's that- a, an essential rule right there. You put it out on the internet, it's, it's up for grabs. Anybody can get it, and it's there forever. And it's there forever. Facebook archives everything. Mm-hmm. Twitter archives everything. Snapchat archives for 30 days at a minimum. Mm-hmm. And the kids who think that Snapchat is a place to sext, that is a minimum. Right. Snapchat is the fastest platform to turn over to federal authorities information when it's requested. Interesting. Yeah. So, no, you have to think before you post. Mm -hmm. Not look at it after and say, oh, that wasn't a good idea. Right. Well, I think what was really interesting, too, something that you'd said on on the talk on the HICOA site was about the way that we address 
social media or internet use is that um, it's not the same. For some reason, we don't address it the same way as when we teach our children not to cross the busy road right. or to touch a hot stove. For some reason, you know, we don't go up to the hot stove and say, okay, touch it, and then you'll know that it's hot, or go ahead and run out into the street because we know that it's dangerous. But for some reason, when it comes to the internet and social media, there aren't any standards or guidelines. It's just, okay, go ahead and explore. But, and we'll hope. And hope, yeah. <laughs> but the, there are these rules that, that we need to establish and put in place before the kids get on and use the social media. There are. And besides nothing is deleted and it multiplies, another mm -hmm. rule is um, if you are posting pictures of like vacations or um, I'm at a basketball tournament. That means that everybody in the social space knows you're not home. Right. And that is a significant problem. There was a study of robberies in England a couple of years ago. Now, I don't know how good they were as burglars because they were studying them in jail, but right. <laughs> they got caught. But... 90 over 90 percent of those burglars use social media to determine when people weren't going to be at their homes and we see this all the time I mm -hmm. mean I love the fact that we can see your vacation photographs from Maui yeah but when they're tagged from Maui at 10 o'clock this morning I know you're not going to be home at 11 right that also goes for tagging or allowing people to know that you're at a specific place at a specific time every week or mm -hmm. every day. That's especially important for the kids. Mm -hmm. If you take them to dance class at four o'clock every day and drop them off and then pick them up, you don't want total strangers to know that. Yeah. Because in those 10 minutes when they walked out of the building and you are not there yet, that can be dangerous. And yeah. that sounds alarmist. But just like our real physical world, in the social world, there are good people and there are some bad people. And pedophiles especially know how to use social media to find their target. Yeah. So you want to be careful about doing things like, you know, third baseball practice at this week and then taking a shot and posting it, which shows the name of the field. Mm -hmm. You want to be careful about the background. That's one of those things that drives me crazy whenever people post, just had my baby and it's at this hospital at this time. Yeah. And it's so interesting that, I mean, I guess it's for family if they want family to come and see them at the hospital, but that sounds really dangerous too when you're putting information out there about your brand new baby and it is know. it does it there are a couple of rules you're breaking, right? People know yeah. you're not home mm -hmm. number one, number two, they know where you are mm -hmm. and number three, they know probably where your relatives are going to be at visiting hours, <laughs> right. <laughs> So uh, with things like that, that's the kind of thing that you use direct messaging for. Mm. You know, um, 
there is no reason to publicly post your location, certainly not a child's location. Mm -hmm. And that especially goes, by the way, for tweens um, until they're 14, 15, until they have a better sense of until they have a better sense of this person isn't somebody I need to be around, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that that just random people can't go up to them and tell them about their life, which they know from their social media. Right. And that makes it seem like, yes, they are a friend of Uncle John's. Right. So we do need to... Mm. And, give kids rules and the rules are the fourth rule is a stranger is still a stranger it's more of a stranger in social media because on social media you can be anybody you want to be yeah yeah you know you can use any pictures you want you can say you're anybody you want you can be from any place you want and while some of those people are indeed pedophiles and problem, real problems, other people are just people who are not satisfied with their life. Right. And so they're making up this other person. We don't want kids involved in, in people who are so unhappy. Yeah. That they're making up a totally different person. And it also, then you have, when they finally meet them and mm-hmm. it's not that person, then you have kids who don't necessarily trust again. And right. good and bad, but you, you don't want younger kids to, you know, totally blow up their world's view. Yeah. Now, Facebook has just this week come out with a kid's messenger system. So it's just like the adult messenger. Mm-hmm but it is only for kids under 13 and the parents have to set it up. Uh Facebook itself does not collect any data on it. Okay. They have suicide watch on it. They have, um, they are monitoring for bullying and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they are, they are running no ads on it. So it is their attempt to have a safe place for kids to actually talk to each other. However, the nice thing about this is you get a duplicate as a parent. You see a duplicate of what is going on on their screen. Hmm. And that I think is, I think as the platforms start to go in that direction, then, you know, Facebook can jump in and say, no, you know, that's that's really not a safe thing to say. Or you don't know this person, so you don't want to give them your address. Right. So hopefully we're moving in the direction of digital safety. So, but do you think that that type of a platform may give parents a false sense of security that um, they they might not give as much regulation or screening when when they say oh it's okay because facebook is monitoring this or you know things like that does do you ever do you see foresee that happening um 
we see two pendulum uh, mm. sides of parents. Uh-huh. There are parents who monitor everything. They have spyware on their kids' phones. Right. And, and I personally disagree with that wholeheartedly. Okay. Um, mainly because I raised four kids, and if I had known everything they were doing, I would have gone out of my mind. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that's good. But then we have the other side who don't understand the dangers of social media and don't really see it as something I need to teach. And so they never look at anything. Mm -hmm. And that's not very good either. So hopefully with something like this, um, parents will glance at what's going on they'll be able to ask the right questions. You know, where did you meet that person? Mm -hmm. Have you video chatted with them before you meet them at the local playground? Right. Uh, Or, you know, the football game. So we're, we're moving gradually to, I think, more safety. But the problem parents have is that we know how to teach kids that the stove is hot. Because we were taught the stove is hot. Yeah. We were never taught about social media. It didn't exist until 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. So as parents, and I talk a lot to parent groups, Mm -hmm. because as parents, we are consumers of social media, Mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily know how to work with social media safely ourselves. Yeah. So it's hard to teach. Yeah. So it's it's really only something that unless you are using social media as like a marketing tool or things like that, you're really not going to look into the the different hazards and um, resources that are on social media. And so that's that's why this is a really great message to get out there because we we want parents to be more proactive, to be to think more of a on a producer level rather than just consumption of of uh, social media, but actually active consumers in a way. Um, and I like, I like what you've been saying. It's really important that we have rules. We need to have guidelines. We need to uh, consider what the, the outcome of some of these behaviors may be and establish the guidelines and the rules. And, and- those guidelines can also be the same kinds of things that you do for any social interaction for your child. Yeah. One of the wonderful things about social media is that if you have a kid who is interested in going to Mars, you know, they love outer space. They love all of this. You may live in an area, they may be in a school where there are two kids who think that's the coolest thing in the world. But on social media, they're going to find a hundred kids who think that's the coolest thing in the world, who want to talk about it, who want to explore it. They're going to be able to find groups of adults who are mentors to kids like that. So that's the plus side. Yeah. Well, it's like you were just saying about the, the pendulum of the parents. Like there are parents who take one extreme or the other. Well, internet is the same, you know, any, pretty much anything that is good. How do I say this? There is a counterfeit for everything that's good. 
And, and I think that the internet is a prime example of that, that there are definitely good resources available online, such as connecting with people that are good and finding, you know, endless amounts of information and education that you can get on the internet. I mean, you can educate yourself on just about anything these days, and that can be a very good thing if you're looking for good kind of education. (laughs) And, and it's great for connecting and it's, but we also need to be educated and informed on what the counterfeit aspects of these tools and resources are. And, but I, I like what you're saying though, like we need to remember that not to just shut it out and say, oh, well, I'm not going to let my kids use social media or the internet ever until they're adults because they're not going to suddenly know how to use social media right. just because they turn 18. Right. What you really want to do is you want to start them at 13. Mm-hmm. You want to start them in a, a, a somewhat rigid way where you can say, okay, you cannot talk to anybody that we haven't cleared. Now they're going to hate that, but right. that's, you know, part of being a parent is you got to be hated every once in a while. <laughs> right. And then as they get to understand and to look at examples of people where you say, you know what, that's probably a 37 year old. Mm-hmm. That language is not a kid's language. Let's go find out more about this person and show them how to track down what's real. Mm -hmm. Show them how to go into Google image search and is that a stock photo? Right. You know, show them that. Then it becomes a skill that they're learning. At 14, they can make more judgments. The same way we teach them to do anything. Yeah. You know, in gradual steps, rather than saying, here's this entire world, you have no skills, but have fun. Right. (laughs) So. I I think that's a really good point that we just, we need to walk them through it. We, We need to be present as, as, as mentors and teachers around how to navigate the, the internet and it reminds me of um, this book that I read. It's called Hold On to Your Kids. It makes that, It's a book about um, how parents ought to be a child's uh, attachment and orientation to the world. That once kids become peer-oriented, then we don't have any control anymore over what spheres or worlds or any you know, things that they can get into. And there's a there's a way to finesse that it doesn't it doesn't mean that parents are controlling or that they are always going to um, be the only source of of guidance and orientation. But because there are great teachers and mentors that kids can learn from, but that um, when kids become peer oriented, it's like the blind leading the blind. And so when they when you put them out on the into social media and and you, you know, they are they're allowed to be guided by their peers on what the rules of social media are, then there's they're gonna stumble into some shady things. But when it's us as parents and teachers and mentors who are helping to guide them, then we can help steer them towards having that sense of discernment and ability to see and know what's real and what's what's not. 
It is. And the other thing as parents, I think people can do is to make it very clear from the beginning that as a parent, I'm paying your cell phone bill. Right. <laughs> and therefore, you know, it's, it's one of those things that your parents said in one way or another that you were never going to say as a parent. And I'm telling you to say it now. Yeah. Now I'm paying your cell phone bill. Therefore, I am going to check your cell phone and your social yeah. periodically. Now, personally, I would probably never do that once they were over like 15. Mm-hmm. I would take their phone and maybe hold it for two minutes. Because what you want to do more than check it, because you, you hope that your child's going to come to you if there's right. a problem. You want them to be able to tell all their friends, my parents, my parent, my guardian, my grandmother checks my phone. Uh-huh. It's just like the old, old, old thing where if your kid called you and said, I really want to go to this party, can I? You knew that was code to say no. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it's a protection for for your child. Yeah. If all of their friends know, hey, there's a parent who's going to check this phone, they're going to be much more careful. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to give them that layer of protection. By the time they're 16, if, if they have been trained and taught, they don't need it. You know, they know how to deal with trolls. They know how to deal with the haters. Yeah. But um, until then, you want to give them that layer of protection. Yeah. I love that because that's when, when parents, when kids know that parents care, that gives them the the ability to care more, <laughs> I think, you know, and, and uh, when parents set rules and guidelines or say that, oh, I'm, I, oh, I don't, on the other extreme saying, oh, I don't want to infringe on their privacy. But at the same time, if you, if you aren't willing to set those rules and standards, then kids will think, well, my mom doesn't care or my dad doesn't care. Well, and that can lead into so many traps. Yeah. The other thing I think is that we sometimes have a, in social, we have a very weird view of privacy. Because <laughs> if a child is putting out 300 pictures a, a day and three videos of everything they're doing, mm-hmm. they're already saying to the world, here I am, I have no privacy. Right. So don't impose it on yourself as a parent then. Um, Right. You know, there's a difference between weaning them into privacy on social Mm -hmm. and, and then letting them go because you trust their judgment very much like teaching them to drive a car. Yeah. You know, um, none of us put a kid behind the wheel of a car when they're 14 and say, here, have a great time. You know, don't, try not to hit anything. <laughs> teach them the rules. We teach them how to drive. We've got yeah. to do that with social media, too, because if you follow the rules, it's a wonderful experience. Yeah. And if you don't, it can be downright dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because one of the rules that you talked about was that your senses are not reliable judges on digital 
We are accustomed to believe what we see, but digital things are not real. And I think that's a really important point to remember that we, um, you know, what is real? Keep, we need to keep our feet on the ground because when we, I mean, we can enjoy the social media, we can enjoy the internet without losing our heads about it, right? We, we don't want to get caught up in the augmented reality of, of what the internet is, I think. because So before we started recording, talking, uh, I, I said I wanted to talk about, you know, the, the addictive nature of the internet and how it can affect us chemically to, to look at and to be addicted to these devices. And you were talking about some studies. Will you tell us a little bit more about that? Okay, so there are a couple things about the addictive nature of the internet and social media in particular. Mm -hmm. And the first is we have some grave concerns about how social media affects a child's view of themselves. Mm. Because on the whole, nobody posts, I've had a horrible day. I didn't do well on my test. My mother yelled at me. And I really want to go crawl in a hole. We post what is good. We Mm -hmm. post what makes people look good. So kids are seeing a skewed view of other people. Mm -hmm. And... They're not seeing the struggle and they're not seeing, they'll see, for example, wow, this person got this award. They're not seeing the four years of 530 in the morning, you know, at the local pool, swimming for two hours before you go to school to get that award. Mm -hmm. So we have some concerns about that. Mm -hmm. We have concerns about focus. And um, this sounds ridiculous, but bear with me. In my office, because we often are running Twitter accounts for our clients, mm-hmm. and we're on 280 characters for long stretches of time, right. we actually have a rule that none of us can be running a Twitter account for more than an hour and a half. Mm. And then you have to get out of it because... We know it affects concentration and focus. Right. So we're so it makes it harder to sit and read longer things and having a longer attention span? Have the attention span. And we're all okay. adults with master's degrees. You know, <laughs> I mean, we know how to do this already. So we've got some concerns about the fast-moving nature of... Uh, Instagram, Facebook's not so bad, of Snapchat, of Twitter, Mm -hmm. you know, how is this affecting kids who are just learning to concentrate on things they might not want to concentrate on? Mm. We're concerned about that. Uh We're concerned about the fact that the immediate gratification is very addictive. Mm -hmm. So I was telling you that the average person who uses a mobile device today looks at their phone over 200 times a day. Mm-hmm. They're looking to, for updates. Uh-huh. 
they're looking to see if somebody text messaged them. Yeah. If they got and a like, if they got a comment, uh, you know, any kind of reaction. Has somebody interacted with me? Uh-huh. And our concern there has been based in the idea of self-sufficiency and independence with kids. Mm. I want to give you an example. Yeah. When my oldest daughter used to go to the mall with her friends, it was, okay, I'm going to drop you at Neiman Marcus, because this was my oldest daughter, and I will pick you and your friends up at four o'clock at this entrance. You know, that was all planned out in advance because there was no way to communicate. My youngest daughter, everything was, I'll text you. Yeah. So there was no planning out. Mm -hmm. It was like, I'll be back at four Mm -hmm. and you'll text me where you are. That's a huge difference in just the little things in learning to plan, in learning to think ahead. Wow. So yeah, we, I never even considered that connection that, you know, there's so many, you know, my kids will watch these little videos about how to connect the, the progress and the story, you know, mm-hmm. from mid, beginning, middle and end. And it's like a practice that they have to develop. But in, it, it used to be that that was just a normal part of living. <laughs> right. <laughs> so one of, one of the things that, um, I think we have to be very conscious of when we never had to be Mm -hmm. before is to pre-plan with our kids things that they don't think have to be pre-planned because they can just text you or just call you. Um, Or in the case of one of mine, you know, they, they will message you on, on Facebook. Uh Because the daily things that we never thought of, even, you know, can my kids, my oldest used to, my older ones used to have to ask me before they went to say lacrosse practice, can I go to so-and-so's house afterwards? Yeah. Nobody has to do that. They can text me in the middle of practice. Yeah. Um. So there's no like forethought. There's not like planning and and forethought of of what your day ought to look like. It's almost like this. It's more than just instant gratification because it's it's almost like um, spoiled <laughs> ideas or and and this idea this narcissistic uh, tendencies that come up when we talk about social media and things like that. It's like well, I just can get what I want if I just text mom and and this is how it's going to happen not you know let me think about this and let's talk about it and plan out the day it becomes instant gratification it's it's not so much narcissistic as a child's a child is made to do what they want when they want Mm-hmm. And as parents, what we're trying to do is to get them to the point where they can't do what they want when they want, because you can't survive in the world that way. Right. And right. we are extending that what you want when you want, if we're not careful. 
with the ability to connect constantly. Mm. So we want to be careful of that. We want to be very careful that kids, that parents actually, and um, I am not kind to parents who do this, but a lot of parents also will read their text messages when their kid's talking to them because it bings and you are conditioned like Pablo's dog yeah. reading. Uh-huh. Um, no, your kid's more important. Mm-hmm. It's not something parents consciously do, but it's something that we all do. Yeah. Um, you know, you're playing a game with them and somebody calls you, you're going to take the call in most cases. Mm-hmm. If it's an emergency, you know the person calling and they're going to call you back right away. So you don't have to take the call. We're conditioned to take the call. Yeah. All of that says to the kids that the outside world is more important than you are, guys. Wow. And we see that in social media, too. We will see parents who will post constantly about their kids you know, and you think, okay, they're really proud of them. They're really wonderful with them. But then if I, I'm talking to them for one reason or another, and I say, okay, so how much of the day do you spend looking for a good shot of your child and then posting it as opposed to talking to your child? Yeah. And actually spending that time with them. Or just spending that time in the same place without doing anything in in contact with the outside world. Mm -hmm. And all of that as parents, I think we do without thinking about it, Mm -hmm. but we do it to the detriment of those small windows of time that we have in incredibly busy lives that we have to just be with our kids. Yeah. You know, if you're a child and what and everything you do goes out on social media, you're going to hate your parent by the time you're 18. <laughs> right. I guarantee. Speaking of that privacy aspect of things, <laughs> they won't have a private life anymore. But many kids don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a combination of their parents, um, of themselves. which means that in a lot of cases they really don't know who they are. They know who the public image is. Right. So what about these kids these days? I mean, because I've scrolled through Instagram accounts where these are teenagers that believe that they are celebrities Mm -hmm. and they do have tens of thousands of followers and things. And so how do we moderate that type of an attitude that kids actually want the publicity. They want their things to spread to different accounts and multiple, you know, to, to be viral. You know, what, what do we do about that type of situation? Well, I, I think a lot of that is the personality of the kid. You know, you have, you have people, for example, who go into show business and want to be in the movies and they want millions of people to see their work. Yeah. If you have that kind of kid, 
you work on the fact that, okay, is is what you're trying to get to go viral potentially going to be harmful? Mm. Um, Some of these challenges, the social media challenges, there are cadres of us across the world who work on shutting some of them down because they're so dangerous. But if it's not something like that and you want, uh, you know, millions of people to see you, fine, you have to follow the rules. No location tagging, Mm. no first and last name, Mm -hmm. no information in your profile that allows anybody to find you or your family. Mm -hmm. And then as the critics come in, I'm going to show you as your parent how to deal with them. And as parents, you teach them, okay, this person thinks that you're a terrible dancer. Does this parent, this person, let's go look. Does this person have any background in dance whatsoever? No, they don't. You know what? Don't listen to them. Yeah. Block immediately because they don't have the right to have an opinion. But you also have to teach them, you put it out there. You got to learn to toughen up. You got to learn to say, this person matters. This person doesn't. So again, it's, we got to teach them. How about, how about YouTube? What is the, what is the protocol on YouTube as far as your, your internet safety? YouTube, like Facebook posts, you can set anything to public, unlisted or private. So if you have something set to public, you are searchable by a couple billion people. I would say the protocol is always, especially with kids under the age of 14, I'd probably go 15 in the current political climate, um, keep it unlisted. You can send the people you want the link. You have it. But I wouldn't necessarily put it out to public view. And the other thing about YouTube, which YouTube is trying to deal with, is that there are a lot of sites like Minecraft where people have realized, hey, we have a lot of kids in those sites. And Uh people who are going to harm kids know that. So you want to be careful around there and... You don't want to just let your kids watch endless videos on YouTube? Well, one of the recent horrors, I guess, for for one parent around here was that their nine-year-old was was watching Minecraft videos. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who would worry about that, right? Uh Except um, one of them labeled Minecraft and it had all the correct stuff was also pornography. So they walked into their nine-year-old saying, what is this? Oh, so, so you have to be careful. You know who the, who the user is or the, you know, who's posting. You have to be careful that you've looked at it. Uh-huh. Mm. You know, if you have a young child, you won't let them randomly watch any movie they want. Mm-hmm. YouTube is the same thing. Yeah. You know, you have to know what they're looking at. By the time they're 13 and 14, you want them to believe you know what they're looking at. You may not necessarily have to look at it, but you want them to believe that you do. Mm -hmm. 
And you can do that, by the way, parents, by whatever device they're on. You want them to be not on their cell phone watching it. Mm. You want them to be on an iPad, a tablet, a laptop, <clears throat> because then you can go into the history. Mm. You can pull out the history of any of them. I see. So you don't have to necessarily be sitting there watching what they're watching. You can go in at night, pull up the history, look at it. And if something's sketchy, talk to them about it. Yeah. You know, they, how many of us have clicked on a link and once it's come up said, oh, wow. Okay. Oops. Out of here. <laughs> um, and, and that happens with kids too, but it's a great opportunity to talk to them about, okay, now you're being tracked. Mm-hmm. You know, um, everybody is tracking you. So you are now probably going to see ads for this kind of product or, mm-hmm. And explain to them how that whole tracking thing works. Yeah, not just to click on everything that looks interesting because you'll you'll start uh, attracting more inf- more advertisers and predators along yeah. those lines. Yeah, interesting. So interesting. <laughs> I, this is such a crucial conversation. I, I want to give our listeners more information about this topic. Can you tell us more about where to find you? And um, well, but first I wanted to ask you, can you tell us about other, any books that can tell us more about this aspect of, of the information and, and learning about internet safety? Okay. There aren't a lot out there. We've Mm -hmm. actually got one that we're writing that hopefully will be out in February. There are a couple. There's one called You Posted What? Mm -hmm. That's on Amazon. Okay. Um, There's ours, which is social media for the high school athlete. Mm -hmm. Other than that, to tell you the truth, everything else is highly academic studies kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That I know of, at least. Have you have you ever read? So you haven't heard of the book called Screenwise? Oh yes, I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list. That actually is a movie, and it's a movie first. She did a docu- documentary first. Oh, okay. It's wonderful. Okay. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, Melinda Gates blogs about this quite a bit. And she is well worth following on Facebook. She talks a lot about kids and addictions to devices. And she certainly has the research teams behind her to work with it. So you want to look at that. What you do want to do is you want to reach out to those of us in the business whenever you have a question, because, um, it is not it is not something that is being taught in curriculums. Yeah. It is not something that is being taught yet to parents and we're really working to see that that happens but until then the easiest way to get us is at high school social media at hs social media on twitter somebody monitors that from 6 in the morning until 11 at night. I often monitor it later than that because, very frankly, if a kid is suicidal, we'll catch them at 2 in the morning, not at 11 at yeah. night. 
our Facebook pages, uh, it's high school HS social media or social student athletes. And you have uh, my email address, which you're welcome to share with everybody. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. You know, if you have a question, if we can help, please reach out because this is such a wonderful thing for kids to be able to use that we want them to be able to use it safely and yeah. we want it to be a good thing in their lives as opposed to, you know, seven people sitting around a dinner table, everybody looking at their phones Yeah, because that's not where we want to go. Right. And it's just, this isn't going away. Social media and technology, it's only going to get more and more advanced. And so as parents, we really need to figure out how to use it wisely and how to teach our kids how to use it wisely. You do. It is going to become more and more a part of everyone's life. It's going to become more and more of a safety net. Mm. So very quickly, um, Facebook has a team of experts, psychological experts, mm-hmm. who we can tap into 24-7. Okay. And you all can too, and I'll send you that URL too. But if we see a kid that we think needs immediate intervention, then you find where they live and you call the local police. But if we think they're moving down that path, mm-hmm. there are some of the best experts in the world that we can get in touch with immediately for free. And there's also a new artificial intelligence formula that's coming out that they're going to run all teenagers posts against to look for suicidal tendencies. So social media is going to be a part of everybody's life. It's going to be a part of what happens. And just like a car, you have to learn how to use it. it. It's a great thing, but we want kids to use it safely. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pat. So awesome. Please be sure to go to my show notes at homeandfamilyculture.com because Pat has offered 25% discount for my listeners of her curriculum for this education. So please go to the show notes, homeandfamilyculture.com. So much amazing information And as a family culture, I think it is very crucial that we understand what our rules and boundaries and values are around social media and personal devices. And not only as to understand what we value, but also to protect our children. You know, it's like Pat said that we don't just put our kids into a car and say, okay, have fun driving out there. Or we don't give them a big wad of cash and say, don't spend it all in one place. I mean, maybe some people do, but it's generally not a good way to teach kids about money. And it's the same thing with with social media and personal devices. We need to have rules and boundaries. We need to be able to establish what's important, our values around it, and also as parents to set that example. Because, you know, when kids see us looking at our devices all day or jumping on alerts and not being present with them, then it begins to diminish their value in our eyes. And that really opened my eyes, that that perspective of, you know, making sure that we are present with our children because they are the most important things. 
person, people, you know, and, and the outside world does not need to invade our personal space at all times. And so that's, that's so crucial. There's a lot of really good information in the resources that we mentioned and the resources that are available that Pat offers. So please, once again, check it out. Thank you again for listening. Please like, share, and rate, and comment, and all those things. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you for your support.